That passage is a part of the Christmas story that's rarely heard. We don't talk about that too much. We we like the, the manger part, the, the baby Jesus, the shepherds around, and a few animals, and we even throw the wise men in, uh, even though they obviously weren't there at that time. But uh, we like that little scene. But behind the scenes, lots of other things were going on. And behind the scenes, this story took place. Some very distinguished gentlemen. I don't know exactly who they were, but they were pretty important because they got an audience with King Herod. Uh, They're called the Magi or the Wise Men. Some people think they were kings. Uh, They came from the East. Some people think they were from the Orient. But whoever they were, they were pretty important. And they had followed a star to Jerusalem. And they went in to King Herod and they said, well, where is he? King Herod said, where's who? (laughs) So, well, the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews has been born. It was prophesied, and we saw the star, and we came, and we've came to come to worship him. And at this point, the story gets kind of like a spy novel. King Herod says, oh, I'd, I'd like to worship him too. Uh, how about you go find him, and when you find him, you report back to me so I can worship this new king. And the three, or the... I always want to say three, even though we don't know there were three. Uh, They brought three gifts, so some people think there were three. But the Magi went and found Jesus and gave him their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and worshipped him. And then an angel told them, don't go back and tell Herod. So they slipped back home another way. And then when Herod found out, he was pretty upset. And he said, let's kill all the babies that might be the right age to be this supposed king of the Jews. So we've got all these stories going on behind the scene that we're so familiar with. Uh, Quite a political, physical struggle going on. But beyond that, there was a spiritual struggle going on. A spiritual battle in the heavenlies between the forces of good and the forces of evil caused by this birth of this helpless baby. We don't know the date that he was born. The Bible doesn't tell us and history doesn't tell us. But 2,000 years later, whatever that date was, that battle is still going on. The battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil over this person in the manger. Whose side are you on? It's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Since we're surrounded by Christmas activities, we've chosen last week in this to, to talk about Christmas movies. Uh, not because <clears throat> it's a substitute for studying the Bible, because they make us think. There are things that happen in <clears throat> uh, the movies that we're looking at that relate to what we're talking about. And since they're all around us, that's all we can see is Christmas specials and songs and TV specials and and all of that around this time of year. Uh, Let's talk about one of them. This week, uh, we're going to talk about a famous children's movie, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, Dr. Seuss wrote the book over 50 years ago. It's an old, old book. Almost everybody here probably... uh, Heard it when they were young or read it to their children. 
Uh, it's been made into all kinds of cartoons and movies and a Broadway play and uh, recently, or fairly recently, a uh, play or a movie with uh, Jim Carrey in it who transformed himself into a most wonderful Grinch. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, most everyone's familiar with the story, I think. Uh, there's some unique people in it called the Who's that live down in Whoville. And then there's a dastardly hermit, the Grinch, that lives up in the mountains and hates the Who's. Uh, in fact, he hates all things, cheery and bright and Christmassy. Uh, I could tell you the story, but I couldn't tell it nearly as well as Dr. Seuss. So let me just read you a part of the, the story and how it starts. Dr. Said every, uh, Dr. Seuss said, every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown as the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, I must find some way to stop Christmas coming. That's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, you start that book reading it to your children, and it's fantastic that anybody could be that evil. Uh, that, that anybody could be that cruel and wicked uh, to hate the joy of Christmas. Did you notice Dr. Seuss explained the problem in that one verse? He said, but I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. There's the problem, and the Grinch isn't the only one with the problem. He's not the only one with a too small heart. He's not the only one who hates Christmas. The story of the original Grinch is in the Bible. We already read it. And I realize I use the Grinch name here kind of loosely. It's really much too nice for King Herod. Uh, he was worse than a Grinch. But in Matthew chapter 2, we find the story, and uh, we've read it, and we've, we, we've talked about it, and we know exactly what happened. That there was this King Herod who didn't want there to be any other kings. Now, the, the Bible story, just in Matthew 2, explains it to us. But to really understand it, we've got to go to secular history. We've got to know a little bit more about King Herod, the original Grinch, if you will. Uh, he wasn't a king by birth. He wasn't even an Israelite. He was an Edomite. And he ruled the land because Rome gave him the throne. He called himself the Great. That was his term for himself. 
Uh, in some ways, he was a great king. He did a lot of amazing things while he was king. He doubled the size of the temple for the people. Uh, he built a lot of palaces and fortifications. Uh, he kept Palestine at peace during his reign with his, its neighbors. Uh, one time there was a serious famine, in fact, and the people were hungry, and King Herod bought food with his own treasury. So he was a pretty good king in a lot of ways, even compassionate in some ways. But he protected his power, his position. He had to be in control. He had a brother-in-law who started to make a name for himself. And Herod held his head underwater until he drowned. He had a sister named Marianne, and he found out that she was talking to some people about a plot to have her family rise to power. He had her executed. When he was near death, two of his sons... Uh, Aristobulus and Antipater, he heard a rumor that they were wanting to take over the throne and were involved in a plot. He had them executed. Herod wasn't so nice. He was worse than a Grinch. Perhaps you've detected Herod also had a problem. The Grinch had a problem. Herod had a problem with his heart, too. Uh, his heart was that nobody could challenge his authority. There was only room for him on the throne, if you will. If you challenged his authority, you faced his wrath. You paid the price. It was his throne. He was the king. No room for anyone else. No brother-in-law, no sister, no sons, or a baby born in Bethlehem. Story Matthew tells says when the, the, the Magi told him that there was a new king born, it stirred him up and it stirred all of Jerusalem up. I think for different reasons, perhaps. This was big news in Jerusalem. There's going to be a king. Well, that was bad news for King Herod. There, there always have been and there always will be Grinches. There will always be people with heart problems. A heart two sizes too small was our famous Grinch's problem. A heart with no room for anyone else. And you look around today, you see a few of them, don't you? Isn't it amazing how much trouble stirred up by a little scene with a baby in a manger? Uh, the ACLU, I mean, they stay busy full time filing lawsuits. Uh, against a little box with a baby doll in it. It's kind of silly if you think of it that way, but they represent people that have heart problems. There's no room for that. And if you think through it and try, try to figure out why is that the problem, you learn some interesting things. A few years ago, there was a church in Florida, <clears throat> Calvary Chapel, and they put a Christmas scene out on their yard, and it said, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, the ACLU sued them. Somebody decided they didn't like that, and it offended them and bothered them, and they shouldn't have the free speech rights to say it. And they sued back and said, well, we do have the free rights to say it. Uh, the judge came up with a brilliant compromise. The judge said they could leave it there as long as they put over it first, Calvary Chapel says, 
Jesus is the reason for the season. I got to make sure we know that that's probably not true, that they just say it is, and then it'll be all right. See, that's the problem. Uh, that's why so many kooks and curmudgeons and grinches don't want a manger scene around. Because if you think of what it really means, it's a very dangerous thing. If you're somebody like King Herod. And other holidays don't bother anybody too much, but Merry Christmas starts the fireworks. And because the reason is, what we're saying is that that baby is God incarnate. If that baby is God incarnate, then when that baby got a little older and said, I am the way. He had a right to say, I am the way. And that's when the problem starts. If he was God incarnate, then he had a right to say, no one comes to God except through me. If we admit this scene is what we say it is, then he's got a right to people's hearts and people's minds. And there's no room in some people's hearts for that message. There's no room for anybody else. Especially somebody that wants to reign there. Heart might be two sizes too small. Or there's only room in there for one king. And they're on the throne. They don't want to let anybody else have any authority. See... It's amazing that people protest the, the scene and don't protest as much about Christmas carols. Christmas carols got some very bad things in them. If you don't like the nativity scene, you really shouldn't like Christmas carols. They're really offensive if you want to be in charge. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. The Messiah, the, the, the Son of God, is born. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. <laughs> and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. How offensive is all of that? If there's only room in your heart for you. Well, I asked when we started, whose side are you on? Does he rule your world? Is there room in your heart for him to reign? Using the terminology of the movie, let's ask it this way. Are you, are you a Grinch? 
Now, the Bible, if you're reading it, you might ask a question like, is, is Jesus Lord of your life? That's what Christianity really means. Christianity means I, I trust him. I'm going to let him run my life. He is the Lord of my life. I want to do his will. And I know I won't do it perfectly, but I want to start trying to get more like him all the time. I want to do his will better every day. That's the pursuit of Christianity. And that's the problem that a lot of people have. There's no room for the authority of Jesus. I mean, they know the Bible story, and they, they may say, yeah, Jesus was the Son of God, and they understand his commands, they know what he says they ought to do. They, they get all that. But they never make that choice because they don't want to get off the throne of authority. Now, I realize that this isn't completely appropriate message for this group because I doubt if we got many Grinches here. I don't know, we got a lot of visitors today, and you may have come just because your your family kind of insisted that you come, and we may have a few folks here that don't really have anything to do with Jesus or want anything to do with Jesus. But I'm talking in general. In general, folks here have decided, yes, I'm going to try to follow Jesus. Yes, I want him to lead my life. I don't do good at it some days, but that's what I want, and that's what I'm trying to become. So I imagine there's a lot more people here that aren't Grinches, that don't have hearts two sizes too small. And since most of you are that way, let me ask the question kind of another way. Since we do live in this world with Grinches, with folks that don't have any room for Jesus, what do we do about it? How do we handle that? We run into people all the time. We may have some in our family. We have, we've got friends. We've got neighbors that don't want anything to do with Jesus. How do we handle it? Let's go back to Dr. Seuss. He's not a great theologian, but he's got a little bit in there every once in a while. So let's see what he said at the end of the story. Now, you remember that the Grinch, since he hated Christmas so much, he went down to Whoville on Christmas Eve and he stole all the presents. He took everything. So here's what Dr. Seuss says. 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. And then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused, and the Grinch put his hand to his ear, and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow, but the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry. Very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes, then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presents at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. 
Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Now, Believe it or not, there's some theology in there. I know it's kind of a silly kid's book, but Dr. Seuss stumbled on some pretty important things in there. There's some pretty powerful theology. The Grinch's heart got changed. How'd that happen? What happened to the old Grinch who hated everything Christmassy? It wasn't the ribbons, it wasn't the tags, it wasn't the packages, boxes, or bags he figured out. What changed his heart was the people down in Whoville. Their witness. How they lived their life. They're the people that the Grinch hated. Hated all of them because of the Christmas day they celebrated. So instead of asking if you're a Grinch, I would prefer to think of it as this question. Are you a who? I know the people in Whoville look kind of funny, but they're a pretty good example. Are you a who? You see, they're the ones that changed his heart. Are you changing anybody's heart? Making a difference in somebody's life? Remember, it was the behavior of the who's. That changed his heart. They were singing. They were joyful. They were happy. No matter what was going on. They just lost all their presence. (laughs) Every reason they had to celebrate was gone. But they were still celebrating. And that their singing. Their joy. Their their reaction to all of that. Changed the Grinch. You realize that Grinches watch who's? Uh, The Grinches in this world, even if they say they hate the nativity scene and all of that and file lawsuits and whatever, they're still watching who's. They're watching those of us who claim to believe in Christmas. Folks that claim that Jesus is Lord. Folks that say, I'm a Christian. They, They watch us. They watch our lives. And what they're watching for, whether they know it or not, is, is there any reason to believe this story? I don't want to believe this story about the child in the manger because that means he's God. And that means he's got some right to my heart. I don't want to believe that. But if I look at the people that believe that and they don't give me any reason to believe that, then I can go happily right on hating all of it. But if I look at the who's, And they're singing and joyful no matter what happens in their life. 
What Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, the reason we've got this blessing in an earthen vessel that's falling apart and getting cancer and having all these problems, the reason we've got that is so that other people can see that the the power comes from God, not us. Just about a week till the new year, and some of you probably got your resolutions already figured out, and some of you are probably still looking for some. Let me propose one. Here's Jesus' instructions to his followers. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That was Jesus' plan for his followers. Be joyful like the Who's. Let your light shine. May cause somebody else's heart to change. To make room for the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. At the end of the year, we usually evaluate things. We stop and think about, well, let's look at the budget and see if we ought to change it a little bit. Let's look at this practice and see if we ought to change that or this habit. Here's a good thing to look at. You're behaving more like a Grinch or like a who. If you behave like a who and live like they did in Whoville, no matter what's going bad in your life, you can be an influence on those that are watching you to see if you really believe that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way for you to live an abundant life here and have eternity with him. If you need to change your heart this morning in any way, let's stand and sing a song and you come to the front and tell one of the elders about it.